Why do we work hard to solve small problems? Why do we reinvent ourselves and our clients over and over? And why are we giving away marketing strategy for free? It's time to bring home bigger paychecks. It's time to create the lifestyle we deserve and to make a greater impact. This is the Fractional CMO Show, and I'm Casey Stanton. Join me as we explore this growing industry and learn to solve bigger problems. Hey, it's Casey here, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Happy New Year. This is the first episode that you're going to be hearing here in the new year. I've been taking off time um, as uh, my wife and I have welcomed a new baby into our life. So we've got two kids now, and um, we just had a really great extended holiday. And um, yeah, I'm excited to be back on the podcast and you'll hear more episodes from me soon. Uh, But I wanted to get this one out to you because I feel like this is a topic that uh, is one of those things to kind of internalize in life. And it's this idea that when I'm providing the most value, it often feels like the least effort. Does that make sense to you? When you provide the most value, it often feels like the least effort. Serving you serves me. That's kind of the mantra there, right? If you were to write it down, put it on a bumper sticker, put it on your whiteboard. Um, If you listen to me uh, on these podcasts, you might know that I have a, a whiteboard in my office where I'm recording this podcast right now. And I have a couple of these sayings up there that um, I've kind of collected over time. And, you know, this is a really great one to kind of put up on your whiteboard, something to reflect on. Serving you serves me. So this idea that when I provide the most value, I'm, it feels like the least amount of effort. It's because I'm in this state of flow, right? And if you haven't read the book flow, uh, it's, it's a worthy read, but just like the general idea is like when you're doing the thing and you're kind of in it, it feels kind of timeless, If you practice piano or play guitar or like to pluck on a five-string banjo or whatever, um, you might find yourself kind of falling into a flow state. Uh, Maybe you play video games. Maybe you like to read. Whatever it is, there's this kind of like effortless thing that you do that feels just so lovely. And you can apply this to your whole life, like your career, like the way that you impact the world. You can do it in the way that you provide value. You know, there's this idea of uh, um, you have strengths and you have weaknesses, and if you can strengthen your weaknesses, then you can be a well-rounded person. And I don't want to be a well-rounded person, right? I want to be someone who's deadly at a couple things. I want to be really, really good at a couple things. I want to focus my time and effort strengthening my strengths and then hiring out my weaknesses or automating my weaknesses, Just a few moments ago, my laundry got dropped off at the house. We have the service that picks up our laundry on Wednesdays and drops it off on Thursdays, all folded. It is wonderful. All I have to do is grab that laundry and slide it into my dresser, right? Slide into my wife's dresser, slide into my baby's dresser. Done. It's amazing. My strength is not in laundry, but I have a belief that probably someone there at that company is really good at laundry and actually kind of likes it, right? Gets some satisfaction out of taking a chaotic pile of clothes that's all dirty and stinky and covered in, you know, milk and and spit up and uh, making it perfectly folded in these beautiful stacks, put them on a truck and ship them out. I'm sure someone gets a visceral feeling of satisfaction from that. And it probably doesn't feel hard, right? It feels like the work kind of comes through them, like they're a surrogate of work. Um, 
for 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 years, I've I've kind of known of this term. I, I heard about it in, in Taoism, and I think it's a Confucius term um, from Confucianism, um, which is Wu Wei, uh, and it means inexertion or inaction or effortless action. And I like that effortless action. That's kind of how things should feel when you're really in the flow of the work that you're doing. Effortless action. So let's apply that to you as a marketer. You're a marketer, right? If you're listening to this, you're a marketer. You're probably a pretty decent marketer. If you close your eyes and reflect and think back, honestly, you might be a pretty badass marketer. You've done some pretty cool stuff. Given the right um, materials, the right problem, the right timeline, the right talent, the right budget, you can make some pretty incredible stuff happen because you have already. That wasn't a fluke. That was every bit part of you and your life experience. And given those same conditions again, you could probably do it again, right? So you have this talent as a marketer. And maybe you're really strong in brand marketing. Maybe you're really strong in um, strategic development. Um, maybe your go-to-market go strategies are the best you've ever seen. Maybe you're really good at direct response marketing or pay-per-click or copywriting or you're a data wonk and you love analytics and you believe you know you got to trust the data. Whatever your pedigree is, wherever you come from in this world of marketing, you have a strength. And if you strengthen that strength you'll probably find a little bit of joy in doing that. You'll probably enjoy learning more about that thing that you're doing. You know, for me, how did I first get into marketing? I remember reading the back of the Boy's Life magazine. Not the Boy's Life magazine, right? I was in Boy Scouts. I didn't read the magazine. I just flipped to the back cover because that's where the classified ads were. And there was a hovercraft that you could make you know, you just send like $4.95 and you get the plans back for a hovercraft to take the leaf blower out of the garage and do a couple of things with some coffee cans. And next thing you know, you got a hoverboard, right? Like that's what got me hooked. It was the copywriting. It was this incredible message right in front of me at like the perfect time. I love copywriting. I, I can watch a, uh, an infomercial and just like really want to watch it. Like just, just to be impressed by it. Um, Recently, I had someone over, and, and they ended up watching a video sales letter. They were just kind of cruising around on, on like a news site, click some probably uh, native ad, and it took them over to a long video sales letter. I don't know how long it was, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, something like that. And they were watching it, and I kind of chuckled, like thinking like, oh, they, you know, they're getting hit by a VSL. That's pretty cool. But then I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll saddle up and listen to this one. And I just loved it. The way that they planted these ideas and these objections and then overcame them and introduced a unique mechanism and then reduced my risk on the purchase and provided all the social proof and then created scarcity. And like all of these things that they did, I found to be just delightful. Like like it, it, it would be like watching your favorite actor on a movie. You know, it just it just was fun to watch. I love that stuff. I love copy. I love the persuasion of things. I just find that stuff to be really interesting. What I don't love about marketing, there's plenty I don't love about marketing. I appreciate when someone comes up with great branding, but man, that's just not for me. I don't really have great opinions on branding, you know? And I could work on it and, you know, I kind of passively kind of study it a little bit here and there, but like, I'm never going to be a great branding person. There's going to be someone that's graduating high school uh, this year who's going to be better at branding than I will ever be. But I can be really good at the things I'm really good at. 
And when I find myself in the role where I get to do that stuff, I feel a sense of simplicity, a sense of effortless action, a sense that I'm delivering the most value. So as you think about becoming a fractional CMO, like what do you do as a fractional CMO? Remember, like you are um, working with a client and you're identifying their outcome goals and you're building a team and you're leading that team to an outcome. But how you do that is going to come from like a pedigree, like where you come from, kind of what brings you energy. And if you're a data person, working with companies where the data is the most important thing, it's probably a good place for you to be, right? You're going to fit in well there. Maybe on the other hand, if you're working in, uh, if you're really good on the creative side, maybe you want to be with a company that has uh, a large ad budget and you're just jamming a ton of different ad creatives out. You know, none of these things are mutually exclusive, but putting yourself in a position with the type of client where you can be yourself in this very pure, almost like relaxed way where you can have this effortless action kind of come through you that delivers the most value. That's the fun stuff. Like that's where you feel a sense of flow. And your results are great because you're great at what you do. Um, uh, you get the notoriety from that client that you did a great job. You get like the accolade that you did a great job, but then the notoriety when they kind of share information about you with other people, the testimonial that you get from them is going to be glowing because you are in your, what Dan Sullivan at Strategic Coach would call your unique ability or your unique genius. It's this area of expertise that you can find yourself in time and time and time again. And there's no... There's no limit to like how finite that thing is. Um, I've got a buddy who makes picture frames, right? I guess that's like the most um, basic way to say it. He makes picture frames. Sounds pretty uneventful, right? Eh, he's not a framer though. This guy makes the most incredible detailed picture frames uh, for uh, um, historic paintings. Um, his his frames are at the... Um, uh, museum of Art. Uh, there are a ton of different museums and a ton of different um, uh, estates where he produces these things, and they're incredible. And he's taken something that he's incredibly good at and focused it. And I mean, I would bet that he's one of the best, if not the best, frame maker for uh, paintings that kind of exists, right? Like right now, it's like a lost art, and he's incredible at it. Now, is he great at building tables? I mean, he's probably pretty okay at it, but it's like, it's not his thing, right? Is he great at, um, uh, you know, building a deck? I mean, I bet he could do it, but like, he's not the best that exists. But he has this thing that he does, and he just kind of gets lost in it. And what he produces is just this really world-class product. So what is that for you? What is the way that you kind of pierce the world with your expertise and can you kind of visualize what type of ideal client you would have to work with? And maybe you can't because you don't have the experience. You've only worked with three clients your whole life. Or you're like my dad who worked for the Upjohn company for a couple of years and then worked for IBM until he retired. My dad really worked for two companies his whole life, his whole adult life. That was it. If that's you, you might not have a lot of range in understanding how different companies operate and different company types. But I'll tell you, there are companies that have no money. And there are companies that have thick budgets. And I'll tell you, working with a company that's got a big budget is a lot more fun than working with one that doesn't. It's super frustrating when you can't get the tool that you need or you get you know, questioned on a $29 purchase of Canva, right? 
That's so annoying. So you could opt in and say, hey, I only need a couple fractional CMO clients. I want the ones who can pay me what I'm worth, because I'm great, and can pay for all the things I think the company needs to have paid for, like these tools, this platform, this type of advertising, these events, this mailing list, whatever the thing is. So consider those types of clients. And if you don't know what they are, you got to learn. Otherwise, you're just going to pick up any company that comes your way that might be able to pay you. You want to start developing a taste so that you can be choosy. Like, do you have a sense of taste? For, for my most recent birthday, my wife's like, what do you want to do? And, and, I, and I said, because um, we live in Philadelphia, I was like, you know what? I've had a couple cheesecake steaks. Excuse me. I love cheesecakes. So I always confuse these. But I've had a couple cheese steaks in Philly. And, you know, I like them. But like... Everyone raves about them. So how about we get like a bunch of them and do a blind taste test? She's like, you got it. So she ordered up like eight cheese steaks and um, uh, we ran out and got them and uh, my folks were in town and um, we chopped them all up. Well, she chopped them all up, didn't let me know what any of them were, blind taste test. And uh, I got to find my favorite cheese steak in the whole city. So what I'm saying is I didn't really have a developed palate for cheesesteaks. I just didn't know what made one great. So I went and figured it out. So for you, what would make a company great? Start thinking of some of these things. What's What would be a, um, a data point that you would know if this company would be great for you or not? I think one that wants to grow rapidly is a pretty exciting thing. You know, if you're working with a company, and let's say they're doing a couple million a year and they're just happy with a 5% growth year over year, like that's cool. But like, is that for you? I don't know. I kind of like companies that grow really rapidly, right? I want a company that doubles every year or grows by 30% every year. Like something that's exciting, uh, marginal uh, growth year over year is just kind of boring. You kind of miss the fun part. That, that's my take. But maybe where you are, the stage of your life, you want a company that's slow, that's not moving quickly, that pays your bills and doesn't cause a lot of fuss. And that's cool. That's great too. So start thinking through that. How many employees do you want to lead as the CMO? Start considering that. You know, I want, I want like experts in the seats. If I had to choose between like a small savvy company with like one direct report or a bigger company that wanted to grow big and had a lot of direct reports, I'd want a lot of direct reports. Why? Because I could get more done. I just uh, uh, wrapped up working on a project um, for a while, and I was leading something like 600 hours, no, 500 hours a week in labor. Oh, so much fun. You can get so much done when you lead that kind of labor. And you don't have to be the full-time CMO to do that. You can be the fractional CMO. It's, it's just a different game. When you have a big budget, you know, you can kind of do a lot of cool stuff, and sometimes you're going to get it wrong. Um, that's just what's going to happen when you take risks inside of a business. And if you have a small budget and you get it wrong, that can really sting. If you have a big budget, it still stings, but there's enough meat left on that bone that you can keep going. So you got to know what you want. You got to know the type of client that feels good to you. You got to know the, the kind of like makeup, the DNA of those companies. And maybe you know it because you've worked with it before. And you say, I worked with this company once. I loved them. I want to keep working with companies like that. Go mirror that company. Go find their twins, maybe in the same market or different markets or whatever. Maybe same niche, whatever it is. And if you don't know these things, you got to go figure it out. So how do you figure it out? 
Go have conversations with businesses. Go read a bunch. Um, think through what it would be like to get these ideas executed if you had a lot of talent or not a lot of talent or a lot of budget or not a lot of budget. Some executives are really pushy in a bad way. Some of them are really pushy in a good way. Yeah, I, I uh, uh, worked for an executive once and uh, his line was um, to have a short memory. I really like that line. He was like, just have a short memory on that. Something bad happened, right? We had a negative outcome. He's like, short memory, keep going. Have a short memory, keep going. You turn around and you tell that team that too. Have a short memory, keep going. Bad stuff, that eh, happens. Good stuff's coming though. Keep going, keep pushing, keep fighting. So the opportunity that you have is to identify these types of clients. And how many fractional CMO clients do you need that pay you three, five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars a month? How many do you need? Like you answer that question out loud. Say it to yourself in three, two, one. Right. However many that is. Maybe it's two, maybe it's five, maybe it's one. Whatever your number is. That's not a lot of companies. And there are a lot of companies that fit this weird kind of DNA that you're looking for. They exist. Now you got to be willing to take the time to find them. And some of them might not need you right now. They might need you in three years. So you might have to take on some lesser clients to get started. But over time, you can build this book of business of having incredible clients that are a perfect fit for you. And you find every day that work stops feeling like work and it starts feeling like art. It stops feeling like you're pushing something and it starts to feel like it's moving on its own and you're like witnessing it. It's a very different vibe. So it's a possibility for you. If work right now feels hard, right? Uh, they, they, they told you it was going to be easy peasy lemon squeezy, but it's hard, hard lemon hard. If that's what's happening for you, that makes sense. And you're just learning what's wrong with that. Is it fixable? Are you in the wrong seat? Is someone in the wrong seat? Should you fire someone? Should you leave that client? Is it another issue with another manager or management or the CEO or does someone need kind of an ultimatum from you? I'm leaving unless you do these things, um, right? You got to stand up for yourself and have boundaries. But just know that there is a future that exists where you show up, serve clients, and you serving them serves you. It feels as if, yeah, you're just kind of witnessing uh, an orchestra. You're a conductor, and you kind of look to your left and your right, and your arms are moving, Right? And you're just kind of bearing witness to it. It's, it's, it's really an incredible thing. Um, you know, incentives have to be aligned for the team. Uh, it has to be fully focused and clarified. There has to be the budget, the talent. Like, there's a lot of things that come into play. But it is a possibility. Work doesn't have to feel like work. And I'll tell you, to get to this place, which I would say is like, you know, approaching like the nirvana of work, um, it's not without toil. It's not without sorrow. Um, it's going to suck sometimes and you're going to have some tough clients that you got to let go of and you're going to learn a lot about yourself because after you fire that client that you don't like, you go work with another client and you realize that those two clients are actually very similar and then you really realize that your frustration with that first client was actually a frustration you had with yourself, right? That's a whole thing. Um, and maybe the client was a bit of an asshole, but really they triggered something in you that was more deep and it's something for you to kind of consider and look at. Uh, it's kind of the incredible thing that we get to do as entrepreneurs. So this, this kind of lifestyle of being a well-paid or highly paid or top-paid fractional CMO exists where 
you feel like the work is kind of moving through you in a symphony. It's very exciting. So I want to help you kind of see that as an ideal. And then if you want help getting there, that's what we do at the Accelerator, CMOX Accelerator. That's what we do. We've got a ton of fractional CMOs um, that are in, that are working to win their first client. Some of them are doing 10,000 a month. Some of them are doing 20,000 a month. Some of them are doing 30,000 a month. Some of them are doing 40,000 a month. Some of them doing $50,000 a month. Uh, some doing a little bit more than that too. So, I mean, really exciting. Um, to, to be a fractional CMO now. Companies need it. It's like we're just getting this word out into kind of like the, the global jargon. Fractional CMO is still such a sleeper term. So if you get in now, there's still an opportunity for you to just stomp and win and be the number one. And if you've got that vision for yourself and you want to work and you want to build that lifestyle for yourself and your family or your community or your religious group or like whatever your thing is, man, it's it's there for the person who wants to take it. It's there in plain sight. So we're here to support you. If that's you, head on over to cmox.co slash call. cmox.co slash call and book a time with us. All right, talk to you soon. See ya. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information and episodes, visit our site at fractionalcmoshow.com. Go ahead and punch that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot, at least to my mom. 